Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Today, we're continuing a series that we started a few weeks ago. We're actually in week six of this series, and, and I want to encourage you to go back and listen or get caught up via the podcast or the, the, the video archive to see where we're at, because I feel like this is a series that can really help you in the seri- season we're in. Uh, but we're in week six of this series uh, and talking through the questions Jesus asked and the answers that he was looking to get from his disciples and, and what that meant. And so that's what this series is all about, because it has value for us today. He's still asking the same questions to us today that he asked his followers 2,000 years ago. And today we're going to be in Luke chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 25. And this is from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. It's a little different version than I normally preach from, but I loved the way it read. And so I want to share this with you. It says this in verse 25. Just then, an expert in the law stood up to test him, to test Jesus, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And in verse 26, it says, what is written in the law, he asked him. Jesus asked this expert in the law. He says, how do you read it? Verse 27, he answered, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Verse 28, Jesus says, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Now, it's interesting when Jesus asks him, what does scripture say? Uh, when he, he asks this question, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And he's trying to trick him. He's trying to get him to, to say the wrong thing. And Jesus, he, he flips it on him and he says, well, what does scripture say? What does the word of God say? That's really what he's asking. What is written in the law? And for us, that would be the Bible. What does the Bible say about this situation? And he answers, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And what he's done is he's taken two passages of Scripture, one in Deuteronomy and one in Leviticus, and, uh, and he's put these together. And he's identified these two really important things that Jesus also talks about in the Gospels that are, are supremely important. That you should love God with everything you are and you should love your neighbor as yourself. And if you could do those well, then you're going to do everything else. Everything else will fall into place. And Jesus talks about that. So he takes these two verses that have spoken to him, that have impacted him, that that helps him say, this is what being uh, godly is all about. And, And he identifies that and he says that to him. And then Jesus said, you've answered correctly, do this and you will live. But the thing that's really valuable, the thing that's really important is that question in verse 26. What is written in the law? How do you read it? Because Jesus is really asking the question, um, what's in the Bible? What is the Bible saying to you right now with this situation? The question that you're asking, why don't you just go back to the Bible? Because he asks them the question, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what's in scripture? What does the Bible say about this? And he answers, here's what the Bible says. And it's interesting, he follows that question up and he says, how do you read it? How do you read it? And this word read, um, it's, it's a Greek word. And the Greek word for this, it just means to distinguish between, to recognize, um, to know accurately. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, what does Scripture say? And then how do you distinguish between what's important in this situation and what's not important in this situation? How do you come to a place where you recognize this is an important part of Scripture for my life, an application for me right now? Because one of the problems that I see in the world we live in today 
is so many people don't know what Scripture says. So, so the question Jesus asked is the question we're looking at today. Um, what does Scripture say? And if, if I asked you that same question, what does Scripture say? Some of us could quote some of the big ones, John 3, 16. Uh, some of us could quote Jesus wept. But we would struggle to tell, be able to tell people what Scripture says. And so in this season we're in right now, people are saying, Jesus, what am I supposed to do about? And I think in some ways Jesus is saying, well, what does Scripture say? How am I supposed to respond in this situation? Well, what does Scripture say? Because Jesus has already told us everything we need to know in Scripture. It is our word from God for life. And the problem for us is we know what Fox News says. And we know what CNN says. And we know what Facebook says. And we know what our culture says. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, what does Scripture say? And what is What is it saying to me today for the situation I'm in, for the circumstance I'm walking through, for the problems that I'm dealing with, for the the chaos in our world? What does Scripture say? And the problem is so many of us have no idea what Scripture says. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to take a little bit of time, and I've asked some of our pastors just to share their heart with you. They're going to share their the passage that maybe is really speaking to them right now, something that says something to them for the season that we're in, for things that we're walking through, for maybe just them personally, they're gonna share what the word of God says. They're gonna say uh, to you what they feel like God has kind of distinguished in their heart when they read through scripture and God speaks to them in a moment. They go, man, this is important for me. This is valuable for me. This is gonna help me navigate the season. And so we're gonna ask some of our staff to do that with you today. And I would love for you to make sure you follow along, take notes and pay attention to what's happening here because they're gonna be telling you what scripture says to to them so that you can discover what maybe scripture is saying to you. And that's really what this is all about is helping you get into the word of God and discover what is God really saying to me today. So I'm really excited for our staff to be joining us, for some of our pastors to be joining. So I want you to lean in, pay attention, and make sure you're taking notes. Psalm 46, verse 10 and 11 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This passage means so much to me because I can look back on my life and whatever season I was in, whatever was happening in my life, I would cling to these words. I would want my heart and my soul to know them. This first line, be still and know that I am God, what we see is clearly there's a connection between being still and knowing him. Oftentimes we draw from this verse that that we can rest and relax in who God is. And that's true, we can. We should reflect on who he is. We should take time to slow down, to meditate on scripture. Those are good and important things. But this psalm was written in a time of trouble and war. So the words be still are not just a suggestion. They're not just a nice suggestion, but they're a command. And in the context of war, when danger and trouble surround you on all sides... The original Hebrew meaning of this phrase, be still, lends itself to mean something more like stop. Stop striving, stop fighting, let go, lay down your weapons, and acknowledge who your God is. See, I need reminded way too often that God is not small, that really I am small. I am not God, and I should not try to make God into my own image, into what I think he should look like, into what I think of how powerful that he is. He holds all power. His ways are higher. He is Lord over all, and that is God. 
These next two lines in the psalm say, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Now that we know this context, we can see God will be exalted among the nations because he is God. And that is why. See, I've had the honor of visiting other countries and and one thing is always true. God is already working. God is already moving in the nations. And although there are some nations that don't worship him now, God is still for them. God still wants to know them. And eventually every nation will exalt him. Eventually every nation will know that he is God. And the word of God says that even if men remain silent, even the rocks will cry out in praise. See, the final two lines say, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Lord who put the stars in the sky. All of creation points to him. And this same God promises that he is with us. He doesn't leave. He stays. Our God is a God who stays. He is our fortress. He is our refuge. He is the shelter where we can be still. He is our safe place where we can lay down our weapons and let him be God. See, so many times in my life, I feel like God lovingly reminds me, and he asks me, did you forget who I am? Have you forgotten who I am? When I, when I didn't know what path to take for my future, I felt like God could say to me, am I not God that I can't show you which path to take? When I didn't know if I would have enough, God says, am I not God that I can provide for your every need? When my heart is broken, am I not God that I can heal your heart? Am I not God that I can transform hearts? See, in this season that we're in right now, I believe that God says the same to us. No matter what's going on around us, stop and acknowledge who your God is. Keep your mind stayed on me and I will give you perfect peace. I haven't given you a spirit of fear. I've given you my spirit. So today and for the future, we can be still. We can know that he is God, that he will be exalted no matter what, and that our God is with us, that he doesn't leave, he stays. I love you guys so much, and I'm so glad we got to spend time together today. Psalm 91, verse 14 through 16. I'm reading out of the Amplified Version. It says, Because he set his love on me, therefore I will save him. I will set him securely on high because he knows my name. He confidently trusts and relies on me, knowing I will never abandon him. No, never. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble and I will rescue him and honor him. With a long life, I will satisfy him and I will let him see my salvation. This is one of my favorite scriptures, one of my favorite Psalms. All of Psalm 91 is amazing. But these last three verses are God talking directly to us. You see Psalm 91, it reminds us and reveals to us God's character as a true perfect father. And it reminds us and reveals to us our identity as his children. In fact, I'm not the only one who loves Psalm 91. Uh, Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon even said this about it. It is one of the most excellent works of this kind, which has ever appeared. It is impossible to imagine anything more solid, more beautiful, or more profound, or more ornamented. 
And the reason why, again, is because it reveals who God is and shows us our identity in him. God is revealed as a heavenly father all throughout verse 14, 15, and 16. First, he's revealed as a protector, a savior or deliverer. In verse 14, it says, I will save him. In verse 15, it says, I will rescue him. God is presented as a heavenly father, as his character as a heavenly father through the fact that he is always present. Again, in verse 14, it says that he confidently trusts and relies on me knowing I will never abandon him. No, never. God is always present. In verse 15, he continues to say, I will be with him in trouble. God is a father and he is always present. God's character as a father is revealed as a promoter or someone who honors or encourages. In verse 15, at the very end, it says, I will rescue him and I will honor him. You could even put it this way, as a father, he's saying, I am proud. I'm a proud father. And lastly, God's character revealed to us, his fatherly character is revealed as a provider. In verse 16, it says, with a long life, I will satisfy him and I will let him see my salvation. So God is a protector. He is always present. He's a promoter and he is a provider. And because of God's character being revealed to us as a perfect father, we can know that we are his children. Our identity found in verse 14, 15, and 16, ultimately found in Christ, is that of a child of God. If God is a father to those who love him, then we are his children through Jesus. But sadly, and this is where it hits me and it hits home for me, is that many of us think of ourselves as orphans, as fatherless. An orphan self-protects, an orphan self-promotes, an orphan self-provides, and an orphan feels like no one is present and that they're all alone. If you were to read this scripture and not really grasp the fact that God is a perfect father, then you could read it in a sense like this, verse 14. Because no one really loves me, because I can't love myself, I'm gonna have to figure out a way to save myself because I have no security, because I can't confidently trust in anybody. I feel like everybody has, lo- has left me. I have no one to call to. I have no one to answer me. I'm gonna have to get myself out of this trouble. I'm gonna have to rescue myself and I'm gonna have to promote myself. And lastly, I'm gonna have to provide for myself. You see, when we live as orphans because we don't understand the true character of God as a father, we miss out on all the blessings that God has for us, on the promises that God has for us. I was once in this place, desperate and alone, having the mindset of an orphan, trying to self-protect, self-promote, self-provide, and feeling like I had no one there. But the Holy Spirit brought me to Psalm 91, verses 14, 15, and 16. I love this Psalm because it reminds me of who God is and who I am in him. Before we end today, I wanna read it one more time, replacing, making it more personal, essentially. And if you wanna read it out loud at your house, do that. I'll start in verse 14. Because I have set my love on God, therefore he will save me. 
He will set me securely on high because I know his name. I confidently trust and rely on God, knowing he will never abandon me. No, never. I will call upon him and he will answer me. He will be with me in trouble. He will rescue me and honor me. And with a long life, he will satisfy me and he will let me see his salvation. So whenever you are doubting, whenever you have fear, remind yourself of Psalm 91, verse 14, 15, and 16. God is a perfect father. Hey, Summit family. Psalm 63.3 says, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Um, when I was first married, when Jennifer and I were first married, and we were students in college, and we were poor, and uh, I worked for a company that sold athletic shoes and apparel, and the, the company went bankrupt. And so one day I had a job, and the next day I didn't. And we were really unsure about what was going to happen, um, how we were going to pay our bills, you know, would I be able to find another job uh, in time before we ran through what small reserves we had? Because if you've been a college student, you know there's not much reserve. And so uh, we, were, we were really concerned. And so uh, I left, well, I was... I left class one day. In this particular class, I was taking a Bible uh, class on the book of Genesis, and we were going through the story of Joseph. And the phrase in Psalm 63.3 that we just read, that is steadfast love, um, that's, the, that's the Hebrew word hesed. And it's sometimes translated loving kindness and sometimes translated covenant love. And so, and, but it, it's this idea of God's faithfulness and love for the people that he's in covenant with, that he is in relationship with. And I was sitting in this particular class and my, my professor, Dr. Martindale, was, we were going through the Joseph narrative in Genesis and talking about all the things that happened in Joseph's life and how God was faithful to him through all of that. And that phrase is used over and over uh, in the Psalms and really all throughout the Old Testament. But there's a particular phrase where in, in the Joseph story where it says that when talking about when Joseph was in prison and it says, but God uh, showed his hesed, his loving kindness to Joseph in that he gave him favor. And as my professor was talking through this idea of God's kindness and God's favor and God's hesed, I just really felt like in the middle of the situation that Jennifer and I were in, I really felt like that God was saying to me, I will be kind to you. So I left class that day. And again, we were, we were at the end of our money, at the end of our resources. And uh, I got home from class that day and I grabbed the mail out of the mailbox and I went into the house and began to go through the mail and I opened a letter from our mortgage company that said that they had held out more money than they needed to in escrow to pay our taxes and that there was an excess and so here was what was left over. And then I went to the answering machine and I, back in, see how old I am, uh, I went to the answering machine and I began to listen to the messages that were there and there was a message from a friend that I had not talked to in uh, at least a couple of years at that point. And he called me to say that he had planted a church and that they would like me to come and preach. And the long story short of that is that I was out of work for three months' time. 
before I found a new job. And during that three-month period, I actually had more income than I had been making at my job. And I know God doesn't always answer um, our prayers in that way. He doesn't always respond in that way. But the thing about it is that his steadfast love endures forever. And that when he is in covenant and when he is in, in relationship with someone, that his promise to us is that he will always sustain us, that he will always keep us, that he will always see us through. In fact, there's another section of scripture where the Lord says that his steadfast love, his loving kindness, his hesed extends to a thousand generations. And what he's saying is that his love never ends. His love never fails. And so back to to Psalm 63.3, where the psalmist said, Because your steadfast love, because your hesed, because your faithfulness, God, is better than life itself, my lips will praise you. And so this is a, this is a verse that I remember when things look difficult, when I don't know what the answer is, when I don't know What's coming next? I can say, Lord, your steadfast love is better than life itself. And so my lips will praise you. So I don't know where you're at today. I know all of us are in a period of uncertainty. We're in a crazy time in our world. But God's steadfast love is better than life. So we sh let's just continue to praise him, guys. I love you. God bless you. See you later. If I let myself go for too long, I can easily begin all the what-if scenarios in my head in, in these times. And I begin to think, you know, what if my parents, who are both immunocompromised, catch COVID? What if my daughter Emma gets sick? What if Abby, our daughter who is graduating high school, doesn't get a high school graduation? What if, what if? The fear begins to dominate my thoughts, my emotions, my actions, my motives. It begins to creep into everything. I will admit that I am a homebody, so the idea of staying at home isn't too terrifying for me. I love my house, and I love being home. And I am more of an introvert than an extrovert. But the other day, I felt myself getting kind of cranky, on edge, I felt just this overlying sadness in my life and, and just began to get a little, little fearful. And I had to step back and say, hey, Kim, what's, like, what's going on? What's going on in your heart? What's going on in your mind? And I realized that I had jumped on the train of scrolling too often on Facebook and Instagram. And while there's a lot of positive things out there right now, there's also a ton of news articles and a ton of negativity and bickering and fighting. And I found myself clicking on it too often and then also staying on the news channel a little too long. And before too long, peace began to leave me and fear began to creep in. And one of my favorite passages in scripture is in John 14, 27. And it Right before this, Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, I'm about to leave you, but I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. 
and he is going to remind you of all the things that I've taught you and all of the truth that you're going to need. And, and then we pick it up in John 14, 27, and it says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, it was customary in that culture when they would say goodbye, instead of saying goodbye, they would say shalom or peace. And so just like when we're saying goodbye or see you later to somebody, it doesn't really have a deep meaning to us. It really didn't have a deep meaning to them. It was just their way of saying, I'll see you later. But when Jesus said, peace, I leave with you, he wasn't just saying, see you later like most people. He was saying, I'm leaving you. But in exchange, I'm giving you peace. I'm giving you my peace. And it's not like the peace the world gives or like the Passion Translation says a fragile peace. It's not a fragile peace, but it's my peace. It's a perfect peace, a peace that is lasting. It's a peace that is mentioned in Philippians 4, 7, and it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's a peace that surpasses our comprehension. It's a peace that surpasses our understanding. It's a peace that doesn't make sense. It's not peace that promises there won't be storms. But it's a peace that he promises in the midst of our storm. It is a peace that he's promising to us right now in this very situation that despite all of the chaos and the rumors and the conspiracy theories and and all of the what-ifs that are happening, he is giving us peace. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. It's the same peace that Jesus had on his way to the cross to be crucified. It's the same peace that he gives us and he made available to us in the midst of this pandemic. So I just want to encourage you today, instead of going to worry and to fear, go to the peace that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that you have a right to, and he has promised you, and he has given you that you can tap into at any time, because we have the minds of Christ, and we have the peace that passes all understanding to guard us and keep us. Church, we love you, And I'm so honored to be one of your pastors, and I'm praying for you. Man, what incredible words each of our pastors had to share with you today. And I'm so grateful that each of them shared their hearts. Because what they were doing is they're saying, hey, what is Scripture saying to me? And they're just sharing that with you. And my hope is that you will discover what Scripture is saying for you. One of the things I know for sure is that Scripture tells us that it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should have eternal life. And my hope for you today is if you're not walking with God, if you're not in relationship with Jesus, maybe you've been hurt by church, maybe you've been disappointed by by things that have happened in your life, maybe you're just living in fear and you acknowledge today that you need Jesus to be Lord of your life to help you navigate through some unknown seasons. Uh, Today's your day, and we want to help you take that step. And so I I want you, no matter where you are or how you're joining us, I just want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I want to pray with you right now. So if 
you would, just bow your head and close your eyes. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are so good that you sent your son to pay the price for our sins on the cross, that, that we can live a life today that's free of sin, that's free of fear, that's free of, of shame and guilt and condemnation, and we can walk in your promises and in your goodness, that we can be assured that even though we don't know what holds tomorrow, we know that you are in control of tomorrow. So God, I pray right now that you would help each of us who are not walking with you discover our purpose in you and discover a God that truly loves us more than we can possibly understand. So God, I pray that you would just gently draw those who don't know you, aren't in relationship with you, and aren't walking with you. Draw them to you today and help them see how good you really are. So God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your goodness. I pray your blessing on these next few moments we have together. Now, without looking around with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to ask, if you're listening to this, or you're watching this today, and you know there's something in you that needs Jesus, uh, maybe the season we're in has kind of brought some stuff to the surface for you, and you acknowledge today that you need Jesus to be Lord of your life. You've tried being Lord of your life. You've tried doing your own thing, and it's just not working out. But you acknowledge today you need Jesus to be Lord of your life. I just want you to do something very simple. The Word of God tells us if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And so what I want to do is just pray a simple prayer with you, and I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me out loud, to confess this with your mouth and to believe it in your heart. So even if you're in a room with a few other people, I'm going to ask all of you in the room to pray this prayer with, with those that are praying it for the first time. And so I want all of you that are watching right now to pray this prayer with me, with your head bowed and your eyes closed. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you gave Jesus, your one and only son, to pay the price for my sins on the cross. From this day forward, my life is yours I'm trusting you with my tomorrow, with my future, with my destiny. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know I can trust you. Thank you for loving me, and thank you for paying the price for my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, the Word of God tells us that you are a new creation today. So if you prayed that prayer with us today and you meant it, and you're making a decision to follow Jesus for the first time, or maybe you're rededicating your life to Christ today, I would love for you to take another step. We want to help you begin to grow in your faith. And so something simple that you can do is if you're watching online, you can just let one of our hosts know that you made a decision to follow Jesus by raising your hand. If you're not watching this live, or maybe you're watching on a different platform and you want to respond, the simplest thing for you to do is to simply text the word DIFFERENT, D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-T, to the number 94,000. That's 94000. Three zeros there. So make sure you let us know about your decision, and we'll help you take the next step. We're going to help you find a life-giving church in your area that you can connect with and begin to grow. So no matter where you're watching at, in the United States or even the world, we want you to begin to grow in your faith and become a disciple of Jesus Christ and become everything he wants for you to be. Now, with that in mind, we want you to let us know about your decision, but there's something else you can do. Maybe you're a believer and you're watching this today, or maybe, maybe you're just brand new to this God thing. Whatever the case is, we want to help you figure out what the Word of God is saying to you. And one of the simplest things we can do is that there's a tool 
called the YouVersion Bible app that many of you have on your cell phones already. And we're going to use a 12-day devotional, and we're going to dig deep into the Word of God, and we're going to walk through uh, a Bible study together. So starting on the 30th, on Monday the 30th, we're going to go every single day through a, a, a day of Bible reading together. Um, what does the Word of God say? And one of our staff, I'm going to host most of the days, but one of our staff is going to be online on Facebook Live and some of the other other platforms that we have available. And we're going to use that to connect with you to help you go a little deeper into the Word of God. And so we're going to be getting a link out on social media that you can register, that you can connect with and go through the Bible study with us. Or if nothing else, if you just want to jump on and join us in the conversations, we'd welcome you to do that as well. Another thing you can do is the Bible study is going to be based on this book by Craig Shell called Hope in the Dark. If, if you would like to, it's a simple book to read. It's, a, it's an easy read. I would love for you to download an e-copy of this, maybe to your Kindle or e-reader, and you can follow along. You can read the book, and then you'll be even more prepared for the Bible study. So we'll be letting you more, know more about that, but we'd love for you to connect with that and uh, connect with that opportunity to really figure out what does Scripture say. So thank you so much for worshiping with us today. I want you to know something. I love you more than you know, and I'm so honored I get to be your pastor. God bless you. We'll see you soon. <laughs>